So today we're starting a new series uh, in Jonah, Jonah the prophet who never got it right. And I love this book. Uh, I love this book beyond most of the prophecies in the Old Testament. He, he's, a, he's called a minor prophet, not because of what he had to say, but because of the length of the book. Um, and, and so we're going to talk about him for the next four weeks. And then in July, we'll talk about the book of Philippians. So as is our custom here at Dunwoody Baptist Church during the summer, we try to take apart a, a book or books of the Bible so that we kind of raise the Bible IQ just a little bit. And this, this summer is Jonah. It is summer, right? Yeah, I, you know, they tell me that church attendance dips during the summer, but just a few minutes ago, they came and got my wife to go serve in the nursery. So uh, we, we're, we're overrun in the nursery again, which is awesome. If you feel like uh, God is calling you to something, then uh, let's talk afterwards. And that's kind of what today is about. So let me tell you a little bit about Jonah. If you look in your Bibles, it, the, the, the minor prophets are sort of near the end of the Old Testament. And Jonah is tucked around Obadiah and Amos right around in there. And if you can find these four chapters you're going to find an incredibly interesting, and are you ready, an incredibly messy book. So Jonah is so much fun because it begins as messy as any book in the world. It begins with the word and. And. Uh, you know, if you're an English teacher and, and a student started a paper, a major paper with the word and, you're bleeding all over that paper. You're circling stuff. But Jonah is like 13 other of the minor prophets, and they all begin with the word and because they, they see that this is a continuation of a story. It's like a, a serial. It's like a, they knew that even though they were spread out over hundreds of years, they were sort of picking up on the story where the other one left off. So, so, so an incredibly messy beginning to the story. An even worse ending. Okay, the only thing I can think of that ends more abruptly than this is the Gospel of Mark. And it, don't turn there, it'll hurt my feelings. But if you, if you look at the end of the Gospel of Mark, it just sort of, he just stops. It's like he walked away for dinner and just never came back. And, 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 and in Jonah, it's kind of the same way. I'll, I'll go ahead and do a spoiler alert. The last two words in the Hebrew translation of the book of Jonah are wait for it, but cows. <laughs> Let me think. I'm coming up with a conclusion. I'm an author. I'm being creative. How do I end this thing? But cows. That's how he ended it. Now you're all turning over there, and, and you, know, you stop. You won't pay attention for the rest of what I got to say today, and we kind of got to build to that. That's the last message in the series, but cows, and cows, and many cows, it's a bovine thing, I, I promise you that. But first we got to get there, and we got to get there by sort of laying out who the players are. So Jonah is a Jewish prophet. He's, he's writing somewhere around 750 B.C. 
He's writing, uh, or maybe he's not writing it. We, we don't really know if the book is by him or about him, so we're not sure who the author is. We, we, we know it has his name because it's his story, and that's when the story unfolded. So the, the, the basic deal here is that Jonah was told to go share of God's love to a really, really, really nasty group of people. They are the Assyrians. And at this particular time, there's not any bad blood between Israel and the Assyrians. That would come about 50 years later, 40 years later, when the Assyrians actually conquered the entire northern part of Israel. And they were known for being particularly nasty people. They were known for, for being brutal in their torture, creative in their torture. They, they, they tended to try to make examples out of their enemies, and I won't go into detail there because it sort of drifts into PG-13 at least because they were really, really nasty people. So quite naturally, God says, hey, they need to hear about God's love. Jonah is actually the only of the Hebrew prophets that was ever told to go to pagan people. Most of the, the prophets, Amos and Obadiah, and all, they, they, they are talking to people who are sort of of the same family line. But in this one, he said, you need to go far away. And far away it was. If you, if you think about a map of where Israel is, it's sort of on the, 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 the eastern edge of the Mediterranean Sea. And, and, and sort of down the Mediterranean across is Egypt, if you kind of at least know Africa, it's a big place. And, and so that's where it is. And then if you go north and east from there, you get through Lebanon and what we call Turkey. And then today you would call where they are Iraq. So Assyria was a Persian kingdom of Iraq. Its, its capital city was Nineveh. And Nineveh was, was started, if you look all the way back in Genesis chapter 10, the, the Scripture tells us that, that Nineveh was founded by one of the giants in the land whose name was Nimrod. Today, Nineveh is called Mosul. And uh, it's the same city, it's the same important city, it's, it's still in that, 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 that river valley that's created right there, and it still has the history. Huge city back in the day. Uh, and during this time, 750 years before Christ, there was 120,000 people that lived there. So, so big, big, big city. So Jonah's supposed to go there. Well, here's what I want you to get out of today, that there is a Jonah in all of us. So I, I can tell the story. I, I could just read the story and say, okay, you make your own applications. But I kept reading it and finding stuff that I go, oh, that's me again. I'm in there again. I, I'm in there again. It's, it's me. And as we look through the story, I'll, I'll, I'll throw out some ideas. But at the end of the day, you, you, you kind of got to decide for yourself what you're going to do with it. Here's what I hope happens. I hope that you see that God is above all. We call that sovereignty. He, he is sovereign. He, he is over all. He, he makes everything happen. He knows everything that's going to happen. He is powerful enough to, to do what He wants to do. But He's promised us good. That's hard for some of us to take. 
there's something going on in your life that's, that's a storm, and it's really hard for you to embrace the idea that God desires good for you. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a grief situation, a family situation, maybe uh, something, a medical diagnosis. There, there's something going on in your life, and, and you are struggling to believe that God desires good for you. That's kind of the story of Jonah. That's why the Jonah is in all of us, because fill in the blanks. We're, we're all there. Trusting in His goodness is challenging when we don't understand what's going on. So, let's dive in. Chapter 1 of Jonah, chapter 1 of Jonah, we're going to talk about His calling, and, and, and God's call is God's call even if you don't understand it. Okay, it's, it's, it's God who's doing the calling, and He gets to do that. Remember, He said He's sovereign, and He's, he's above all, and He's in all, and through all, and he, he desires good for all, and so He has called Jonah to a task. Scripture says the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And he said, uh, go to Nineveh, that great city, call out against it, for their evil has come up before. And I, I, I get it. These, these people have done really horrible things. If you look them up, you're, you're, you're going to get sort of captured with the gore that went on whenever they won a victory in a battle. They were just awful people. And it was a, a culture of awful. Okay, you, you, you might read the news and you go, this is a culture of awful. Judy and I got to go to New Orleans this week, and, 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 and some would say the French Quarter is a culture of awful. Of course, it's all tourists. Nobody from New Orleans acts like that. I want to go up to somebody and say, do you act this way in Topeka or wherever you're from? Anyway, it's a culture of awful. And this, this culture of awful, the Lord said, I need you to go speak against it. Okay, that's really not the point this morning. The point is that I'm betting he's called you to do something. Robert mentioned a minute ago that, that part of what God does is to call men and women out of law or accounting or teaching or, or whatever it is. My, my goal as a pastor is that you are a follower of Christ who happens to be a doctor, who happens to be a business person, who happens to be a teacher, who happens to be an engineer. That, that, that it's not the other way around. I, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a, a, a business person. Oh, yeah, 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 and I go to church. But that it's flipped. That my identity, my, my personhood, my, my definition of worth or value, my, my, my very core is that I am a follower of Christ. I, I am a person who, who, who deeply loves Jesus. As our mission says, uh, I am in love with Christ and I want to be an agent of transformation in my home, my church, my community, my world. I, I want that to be first. Oh, and then he's good at some other stuff. So he, he calls us to do something. 
And it may not be as earth-shaking as he called you to be a pastor. He called you to be a missionary. He called you to be a worship leader. He, he, by the way, if you can't sing, he probably didn't call you to that one. He, if he, he calls you to do something, it may not be that earth-shaking. It may be he's called you to take a certain job so that you can be an influence in that job. He's called you to a, a place in the neighborhood so you can be salt and light or an influence or, or, or to be someone who shares in that neighborhood, or, or he's called you out of a relationship, or he's called you to, to do something, and a lot of times that calling is scary, because we realize it's a nudge from God. We, we kind of get it. You know, you, you, I don't know, maybe you hear a voice, maybe you don't. Maybe you read something in here. Maybe you get a lyric in a song, maybe a suggestion from a friend. But, but, but there's something in you that says, hey, that was spiritual. That wasn't, that wasn't I didn't come up with that on my own. And usually the way we know we didn't come up with it on our own is that we immediately think of a billion excuses as to why we can't do that, as to why that's not a good idea, that's not possible. And, and when, when there is a calling from God, when there is a nudge to do something, it is a test. It, it is an, an immediate test to, to, to see if, if we will respect God's goodness, if we will respect God's sovereignty, if we will trust Him in that. And, and Jonah, the Jonah in us, the Jonah in me, he was having real trouble testing, trusting God in that. And so the calling turned to running. There's a, a word play here that's really kind of funny. Uh, uh, we run from God when we can't trust that He's planning for our good. We, we run away from Him if we, if we don't believe that, that what His plan is is a good plan. It has value. And so this is the Scripture. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, verse 1, and the word said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. There's a word play between verse 2 and verse 3 because he says, arise, and then verse 3 says, but Jonah arose. Okay, so far so good. God says, get up. He gets up. God says, okay, Alan, you're in Dunwoody. I've got a job for you. I've got a mission for you. I've got a calling for you. It is due north in Alpharetta. All right, Lord. Buckhead it is. <laughs> and that's kind of what happened here. He, he tells him to go north and east, and he says, gotcha, going south and west. So he goes to a place called Joppa. If you look on a map today, it's Jaffa, J-A-F-F-A, and it's directly south of Tel Aviv. So instead of going north through Lebanon, through Syria, through Turkey, Iraq, he says, okay, I'm going to go to Tarshish. And we're not sure exactly where that is. All we know is that it's opposite of where he was supposed to go. So think Alvaretta, Buckhead. God tells me to go to New Jersey. I'm like in New Mexico as a plan. It's like this. And so he, he, he says, I just think running is the best option. I can't trust that this is going to work out. Those people are mean. If I go to Nineveh, maybe killing me, it's just fast or slow. Will they even hear me? Do I have what it takes? Oh, and did I mention they're mean and evil and I might not even survive? He, he, a thousand reasons. I don't know what all went on in his head. 
I know what goes on in mine. I know what goes on in my head when God says, I got a job for you. Oh, yeah, but, you know, use somebody else, another plan, not right now, not ever, cost too much, cost too little, too scary, not scary enough. I, I know what goes on in my head, and, and I kind of know what goes on in your head. That when God says, hey, how about volunteering in vacation Bibles? Yeah. How, how, how about selling your house and moving to a different neighborhood so you can do this with the, and yeah, the, here's the reasons. And it's what we all do, right? And so he's, he's been called to do something, and he does what humans do. He ran in the other direction. Well, here's where the story gets really interesting. Revealing. Sin has a funny way of creeping into the life. We kind of have a saying around here, all things in the light, and sometimes that's pleasant with good news, and sometimes that's unpleasant with bad news, but we, we, we try to make sure that things are in the light. So here's how the story unfolds. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went to Joppa. He found a ship. He paid the fare. Oh, I meant to show you something. Let's back up a, a verse or two. Do you see something twice in this verse? Do you, do you see a phrase twice that, 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 that may cast a little bit of help on where we're going today? Do you, do you see it? What's the phrase? Away from the presence of the Lord. See, if I, it's like your dog, right? Your, your dog looks away because they, your dog figures if, if I can't see you, then you can't see me, right? I, I realize I chewed the furniture leg again, but if, if I look away, you can't see me, and if you can't see me, I can't see you. Jonah's going this direction. I, I'm going to go away from the presence of the Lord. Well, David figured out in Psalm 139, that's not a good plan. In Psalm 139, he says, where can I go from the presence of the Lord? If I go up, you're there. If I go down, you're there. If I go east, you're there. If I go west, you're there. You're everywhere. You knew me before I was born. You created me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. How, how would I possibly get away from you? Well, Jonah really didn't figure that out, so he, he, he decided he was going to give it the old college try, and sin has a funny way of being revealed. Uh, this is really fun. So here's what happened. Says that the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Picture the perfect storm. Anybody remember that movie? Uh, the, the perfect storm, George Clooney and a bunch of others were pretending to be fishermen, and apparently the, the mother load of all storms blew up, and, and, and it didn't end well. And so I watched the perfect storm, and I don't want to go on boats anymore. I watched Jaws. I don't want to go in the water anymore. I watched Top Gun. Don't want to fly an airplane. It's like I'm traumatized every time I go to the movies. But, but, but in this particular one, it was a perfect storm. And here's how we know that. The Lord hurled a great wind. So there's, we, we as the readers get that inside information. The sailors, probably Phoenicians, they didn't understand what was going on. 
All they knew is that they had tried to, to, to read all of the signs as to whether this was a good day to sail, you know, red sky at morning, sailor take warning, red sky at night, sailor's delight. They, they, they had tried to figure all that out, and it was clear to go. But something kicked up that was extraordinary. It was such a mighty tempest that the ship threatened to break up. Okay, you, you all saw the Top Gun movie, the aircraft carrier. Imagine experienced sailors being so worried about the magnitude of a storm that that great vessel would break in half. Well, that's kind of the way the Phoenicians were. They were experienced. They were the best sailors in the world. And so this storm, this particular storm, this George Clooney on the fishing boat storm, this, this thing is coming up, and it is so violent, so crazy, that they are worried that the ship is going to break up. They, they started crying out to their gods. Now, I don't know about sailors then, but what I know about sailors now is that they, they talk to God a lot, but it's usually not very respectful, and so they're crying out. They're, they're superstitious. To, this is a, a different kind of storm. This is a, a God-sized storm. God, Satan, demons, angels, whatever it is, this storm is different. So they started throwing cargo overboard, ship into the sea to lighten it. Jonah went to take a nap. Get to that in a minute. Here's the deal. They knew there was something supernatural about the storm. Kind of record this. All storms aren't because of sin. But sin always causes storms. Not everything in your life that comes up is because of sin. Sometimes stuff happens. But sin always causes a disruption in the force. Sin always gets us sideways. And, and we may admit that it's because we're sideways with God. Maybe we're sideways with other people. Maybe it's somebody else's sin. Sin always causes storms. And this would be the time we evaluate what's going on in our lives right now. What's going on in my life right now? What's going on with family? What's going on with job? What's going on with relationships? What's going on with neighbors, coworkers? What's going on with finances? What's going on with children? What's going on with parents? What's going on with sickness, health issues? And it, it, it's a time where we say, is, is there something that's caused this storm? That's what the sailors were, were doing. Let's, let's cry out to God. Let's cry out to the Ouija board. Let's, let's cry out to whatever. I, we're open to suggestions. And they, they look around and they say, who's not crying out to their God? Oh, there's that Jewish dude that bought a ticket, and he's asleep. How can you sleep in a time like that? I'll tell you. Running from God is exhausting. Running from God is mentally, physically, socially, emotionally, spiritually it is exhausting. He was spent. He knew he wasn't where God wanted him to be. He knew that the things around him couldn't be of God. <laughs> you there? Get in that place? 
You know that the things that are looping around you, they couldn't possibly be from God. They couldn't possibly be in God's plan. They couldn't possibly be lining up with things that are good, things that are right, things that are true, things that are honorable. Couldn't possibly. And I am exhausted all the time. Anybody? You bet. He wasn't lazy. They, They thought he was. You know, you, what do you think? You bought a first-class ticket? You, you, you got the, the presidential suite with the balcony and everything? No. We're all in trouble here. We're, we're about to die, and you need to help. And so the captain got him up, came to him. What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Maybe God will give a thought to us. Maybe we won't perish. This captain's freaking out experienced mariner, freaking out. So they said to one another, let's cast lots. That was probably something to do with dice or sticks or, or rock, paper, scissors, you. But something interesting happens here. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So far in the story, and you all know where Jonah's going, right? He gets swallowed by a fish. And for a lot of you, that's the barrier between you and accepting Jonah. Oh, that's, no, 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 it couldn't possibly happen. There's no way that a man could survive being swallowed by a fish. Let's inventory here. God talks to man. A supernatural storm blows up, well documented. They cast lots by rolling dice, flipping coins, magic eight ball. I don't know what they did, but it says they cast lots. And it pointed to the one guy who's responsible for all this. Oh, and let's leap forward. You probably believe in the resurrection. Guy is raised from the dead. God has a plan supernaturally for us to forgive us of our sins. We like that part, but we're going to stop reading Jonah because a fish swallows a guy. Really? There's miracles throughout this book. And that's just, that's, that's, the, the fish is barely mentioned in this story. If you believe in miracles, you believe in miracles, as Al Michaels said in the 1980 Olympic hockey Do you believe in miracles? Well, if you do, you do. And the fish is just one of many miracles in the story. So the captain says, okay, you are the guy, apparently. You are the one that the lot fell on. What is going on? On whose account? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? That boils down to two questions that they asked Jonah, and that would be good to ask you. Who are you? And whose are you? Who are you? What's, what's your identity? Am I, are, are you all of those other things that, oh yeah, I go to church, or are you a follower of Christ? who happens to be a very good lawyer, happens to be a very good teacher, happens to be an engineer, happens to be a, a, a mom, a dad, a brother, a son, a sister, ha- happens to be those other things. But my core identity is that I am wrapped around being a follower of Christ, absolutely crazy in love with God because He decided that my sins wouldn't be held against me, and so He sent His only Son. Ah, that's who I am. 
Whose are you? Who, who do you report to? Who do you answer to? Who, who calls the shots? Remember, we have trouble believing God's concerned for our goodness. Even though he said through Paul, God causes all things to work together for the good of them who love him or called according to his purpose. The, the, the basic in the story is, is God. God's mentioned more than anybody else. And then something really interesting happens here. It's like we change voice. Jonah answers, he says, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord. Now, in your Bible, if you're looking at it, the word Lord is probably in all capital letters. The L is taller than the rest of them, but it's, it's all capital letters. That is to let us readers know in English that that translation is not God mysterious, Adonai, God if Elohim, it's, it's the personal one. It's the my God, that's, that's Yahweh, that's, that's the translation there. So all of a sudden, Jonah says, my God, my God has a capital G. You guys are all praying to your idols and to your smoke and to your whatever else, but, but I have a God who's powerful. He made the sea. He made the dry land. And the men were exceedingly afraid. This word for afraid, terrified. Terrified. They were, they were terrified like a prisoner when the Assyrians got hold of them. They were terrified. Remember that word. Then the men said, what is this that you have done? For now they knew that he was what? Fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Here, here we go. And so sin always has a way of getting in the light. And, and I may think I'm hiding it for a while, whether that's a, uh, an attitude or an action. We, we could label a lot of things about Jonah. He was probably prideful. He was probably extremely nationalistic. He was likely racist. He, he, he had some real issues with the fact that God could love people that he didn't love. There's a lot of things But when we realize that there are a lot of things, if we think that can stay in the dark and hide from the presence of God, it just doesn't happen. Sin has a way of getting into the light, and when it does, there's a bit of a reckoning. And recognizing the reason for the storm is kind of the key to calming it down. Why is this thing going on in my life? Did I sin? Did my parents sin? Did my children sin? Have I missed a, a calling? Is it, is it just something that God wants me to go through? What's the reason for the storm? They said to him, what do we have to do? What has to happen for the sea to quiet down? How, how, how does this work? Uh, we, we're not familiar with your God. We we're terrified of him because he can do this. But how, how do we make this thing calm down? He said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. I know it's because of me this great tempest has come. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempest. It's such an interesting thing has happened here. These guys have kind of bonded. You got that? 
We don't want to dump him overboard. Okay, he was asleep when we were trying to save the ship. Okay. Yeah, but he's a nice guy. We, we, we kind of like him. And Jonah kind of liked them. He, he said, sacrifice me so that you can live. That, that sounds very noble. I kind of think there was another part of it. I think he was basically saying, I'd rather die than obey God. Kind of where some of us end up. I'd rather die than obey God. And so where he comes with this is to say, throw me overboard and it will save you. I, I like you guys. So he'd been called to go share God's love with people he didn't like. And he ended up with people he didn't know and learned to like. And so he wanted to share God's love. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus calls himself the second Jonah. He's basically, my, my paraphrase, he says, Jonah went three days in the belly of a whale. I went three days into the belly of the earth so that they could be saved, so that you could be saved. He, 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 he honored this story to the point where he said it's worth repeating. But look what happens. When the sailors hear that, they say, okay, we'll do it. We don't like it. Uh, Wednesday night, we were talking about this in Bible study, and and Gary McIntyre, who I love his sense of humor, and if you're watching online, he's your digital pastor. He's, he's, he's interacting with you online, and we were doing this on Wednesday night. He says, I wonder what would have happened if Jonah said, you need to row back towards Nineveh like your life depends on it. <laughs> I, I've been fleeing from God. I wonder what would happen if you just pointed the bow of this boat towards Nineveh. I get that there's some land between there, but, but what, what if we aimed that direction and just rowed like we stole something? I don't know. We know that Jonah continued to be resistant to what God was calling him to do to the point where he says, I'd rather die than obey. And so they dumped him overboard. But watch what happens. <clears throat> they said, Lord, do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not lay on us innocent blood for you, O Lord. Have done it as it pleased you. So they picked him up, hurled him into the sea. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The word Lord is that same word Yahweh. It's that same personal word, okay? And, and apparently, these guys have traded in their gods with little G's because of the reluctant testimony of a broken prophet, and they've started realizing that God is worth paying attention to. Oh, Lord, let us not perish. Yahweh, personal God, Jonah's God, like to get to know you. Don't lay on us innocent blood. You've done as it pleased you. Oh, Lord, they picked him up. Then, verse 16, the men feared the Lord. Different word. The word afraid that we talked about a minute ago, different word. Now this word has to do with reverence. It has to do with, with acknowledgement that you're God and I'm not. It has to do with a, a personal sense of connection. They feared the Lord exceedingly. They offered a sacrifice and they made vows. Where else do we use the word vows? At a wedding. Exchange of promises. Exchange of 
of love, a, a promise of fidelity, sickness, health, long as we both shall live. It, there's this, there's this uh, connection. They made vows. They, they promised fidelity to God, Yahweh. They, they, they mentioned Him by name. They, they had understood that, that Jonah was a reluctant prophet, but that God desired for their good when they did what they had to do. The sea was calm. The storm was, was, was no more. And sometimes I think that's us. We're called to do something. We run in the opposite direction. It's revealed to us the, our, our motives because sin always has a way of finding itself into the light. And then there's a reckoning. There's a, there's a time where we, we, we understand that God is God and we're not. And one of my favorite verses in this is, is a little bit later in the book. It says, God called Jonah a second time because our God is a God of second chances. Hope you'll join us on this journey, but for today, I wonder what He's calling you to do. I wonder what He's nudging you to do. If you're watching online, you're in the room, maybe He's nudging you to become a follower of Christ like these sailors. Maybe He's nudging you to, to do something. Uh, uh, he's nudging you to volunteer for Vacation Bible School. I hope He's nudging some of you. But there's something that God has said, come to me and do something. Do this, be this, study this, be in a group of people. Do something because I'm calling you to more of myself. And we've got to get over that it will harm us to do what God tells us to do and surrender to the fact that He desires our good. Would you pray with me? God, thanks that in this storm is your great mercy. In every storm of ours, there is great, great mercy. So thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you that you care for us in ways that we can't imagine, that even pagan sailors can see your great mercy and love. And Father, if there's one here or one watching, going, I don't know how that journey will play out, but I want to be part of it. I pray this is the day, as the song said, let this be the day that we sing this hymn of heaven. Father, thanks for a story that puts it in ways we can understand it. And I pray right now for those who are in the storm. Maybe that they are going to stay in that storm for a while. Pray that you will speak to them, that you will call out to them, that you will help them to see what it is that you're asking them to do. And if it's a storm that has nothing to do with sin, I just pray that you'll give them comfort that you'll come alongside of them and let them know that you're bigger than this storm, you're bigger than the bad choices of the people that are around them, or even their own bad choices. You're bigger. Your love is all-encompassing. You desire our good, and for that we're grateful. And as a church, we worship. Amen.